Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is May the 16th, and it is Ascension Day, the day where we celebrate Christ, well, officially leaving this for heaven. I'd like to welcome you all here for worship. A few announcements. Tuesday night, of course, is Bible study. We continue reading 1 Corinthians. We'll be jumping into chapter 5 this week. Uh, if you're uh, able to join, we'd love to have you. Uh, we are beginning to look towards back-to-school blast. It is that time of year where we start looking to the end of summer that hasn't yet begun. Uh, so... It is scheduled for Sunday, August the 1st, so if you have a chance to mark it down in your calendar, please do as we are getting ready. Hi, Grace. Uh, Kids Closet is continuing to be opened on the first, Sunday, or the first Saturday of each month. Do we take a summer break? We continue that. We continue that through. Just up. We take a break. Okay, that's the next time it'll be open. Okay, so that is on break now. Um, softball today at St. Nicholas's, St. Nicholas's Orthodox Church. Um, I even looked, it was at 153. I don't know. It's south. It's that way. <laughs> uh, at two, huh? 532. 532. Um, at two o'clock, uh, if you're able to play, and you've probably talked to, to Mike about that, hope to see you there. All right. And if you have had, haven't had a chance, uh, if you check out the cemetery, the uh, flags have been put out to honor our veterans um, by American Legion f uh, 452 here in Mogador. Are there any other announcements you'd like to raise today? As we move into this time of prayer, there have been a couple um, that have been raised up already, but I'll, I'll raise them again. Uh, prayers for Bob and Rita's son, Scott, who is seeing a specialist about... Uh, uh, I can't think of the word all of a sudden. Thank you. Aneurysm uh, around his stomach. Prayers for our sister Janice as she is going in to have surgery tomorrow on her eye. We hope that all goes well. Um, and if you get to wear a patch, choose a cool one and talk like a pirate for the week. All right. Always a good excuse to talk like a pirate. Talk like a pirate. Uh, continued prayers for our sister Pat who had her shoulder surgery on Friday, she is doing well. They have the titanium one put in place and praying that the, the pain goes down. Uh, one that asked for by the district is for uh, Pastor Mike Zellers, who is the pastor at Freeburg Church of the Brethren, who has been having some surgery related to his feet over the years and has just had a, a toe removed and is hoping that as a side effect of this, that his, uh, his, his therapy he has been going through uh, continues to move forward and doesn't regress because of it. 
I see, I see a prayer over here, I think. No? No? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are there any other prayers you wish to raise this week? It's a quiet crowd this morning. It's okay. Well, if you will join me then in the call to worship based on Psalm 93 in your bulletin. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty and girdled with strength. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. You are mighty and more majestic than the thunders of the mighty waters. Your house is, of, is one of holiness and beauty. Amen.
if you'll pray with me. Gracious Creator, thank you for this time where we can gather and worship you. Where we can prepare ourselves for the week and repair ourselves for the last week. We pray for strength and clarity in our lives. We pray for peace and strength in this world. Holy One, Holy Three, we think of our brothers and our sisters abroad, those in nations that are struggling still with this disease, who are losing friends, siblings, parents, children. We lift up those who are living in the land where you once walked, those who are caught in the crossfire, our brothers and sisters of this faith and of other faiths who are dying. We pray for peace and safety. Holy Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters here in Akron, those who attend this congregation and those who don't. We lift up our brothers and sisters in need of healing and comfort and presence. We lift up our sister Janice and Pat. We lift up Scott. We lift up all of those who we wish were sitting in the pews with us today, but are unable to. Loving Creator, we lift up those names in our hearts, those whose names were unspoken, but still weigh heavily on our soul. we lift them up in the words you taught us to say so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today's reading comes from Acts chapter 1, and it's 1 through 11. Uh, if you are following around along in your pew hymnal or pew Bible, it's page 770. Luke wrote, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus, all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. 
After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them and he gave them this counsel, this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift that the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After this, he said this. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intensely into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Blessed is the word. Amen. I had a friend recently post on a Facebook group this question. It was the Facebook group for summer camp employees from Camp Blue Diamond, the alumni group. She asked, when did you work and what jobs did you do and what are you up to now? I watched as people said when they worked that I remember as camp counselors when I was little. Those who I worked with then, and then those who I once counseled. It's odd to see a kid you remember from first grade being their counselor and watching them now be a counselor. And to look back on it and say, oh, I used to do that. When did I get this old? I couldn't help but think. But as I was doing it, I kind of wondered what my answer should be. Because there's the technical answer and then there's the actual answer. The technical answer is 2001 was my first summer on staff. I did part-time dishwashing. But it really wasn't that different than my regular life. I mean, before 2001, I still went up and ate every meal at the lodge, and sometimes I helped with the dishes. Except now I would be paid to be up there, which is always better. And, but I was expected to be there every single day, which is not as good. But hey, I got paid, so I'll live with that. 2002 was my actual first full-time summer where I worked maintenance. But the actual answer was, well, since 1991, because that's when we moved there, and 
pretty much from day one, we always had jobs to do around camp. I mean, it's just like growing up on a farm. Your parents have expectations of you helping around, at least I'm assuming as much. Dwayne's like, yes. <laughs> I, from day one, we were out there helping clean trails, picking up sticks, helping clean the lodge. I remember being excited to clean. Weird. I still like using the dry mops, the dust mops. They're just fun. I remember being excited the first time mom and dad allowed me to mop the lodge. Again, that's weird, but... But 2002 represented a lot of different changes. For one, I was now a full-time employee. Two, I moved out of the house and up into the summer staff housing. And number three, mom and dad weren't my boss directly. I mean, they were still my overall boss. But now I, I reported to Paul. Paul's a man you can't help but look up to because he's six foot three and skinny as a twig, but strong. Man is wiry muscle, nothing but. But Paul was a man of few words. He kind of told us the way things were, and then that was it. He's pretty quiet. I remember sitting around after doing an especially hot task, and us, you know, all taking a break, having some water. Paul would just sit and listen to us. I think over the two full years I worked with him, he talked about things other than work, maybe a total of five minutes. I remember one time he made a joke. I don't even remember the joke. I just remember being surprised that Paul made a joke. But we, he had an expectation for us. Every morning, roughly 8 o'clock or so, I and the other maintenance people would roll out of our beds over in Hemlock, pull on a pair of jeans, or I liked, one year I loved my overalls, I wore them almost every day, or my friend Nick, who would always wear a pair of Dickies, a t-shirt, a ball cap, tall socks, and steel-toed boots. And then we'd meet over at, at breakfast at the lodge, where we would sit down with Paul, have our breakfast and receive our marching orders for the day. Then we'd work until lunch, have a break for lunch, then work until dinner, and then we were off for the night. That was just the expectation Paul set out on day one, and he never felt he needed to mention it again, because he just expected us to do what we were asked. But RJ started a little later than the rest of us. It was a weird summer. We had I as full-time maintenance, Nick, who was with us two or three days a week, Anna, who worked part-time kitchen, part-time maintenance, and so they hired on RJ to fill the extra gaps. RJ came in one morning, and we were sitting and having breakfast. Paul told us what we were going to do. I think it was a day that we were going to go out and work on some Groundwork. All I remember is that we had to go down and get all the shovels and the picks and the mattock and everything out of the shop basement after we finished and load up the truck. So we finished, 
Dishes went back. We wiped down the table, and Paul's like, well, let's go. And he goes out the side door with me following, and he turns around and notices that RJ is still at the table, leaning down, tying up his steel-toe boots. Paul looked at him and said, RJ, when you come to breakfast, have your boots tied up. It's time to work. It took me a long time to realize why that stuck in my memory so strongly. Because it didn't make any sense that of all the things that happened that year, one of the few memories that stick out is Paul turning around and telling RJ that he needed to be ready for work when he came in for breakfast. Looking back, I realized that it was the first time where camp really transformed to be more like the outside world. Because before that, work at camp was just work like you do at home. You know, if dad told us, oh, you're going to go do this thing, then it was, we just got it done when we were ready. You know, go mow the lawn today. Okay. That means I have from breakfast to dinner to get the lawn mowed. And honestly, most of the time, it was really a question of when I could get the rider mower because I didn't want to push. But at that moment, I think I realized that I'm no longer working at my home where I guess to get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But rather, this is a job with time. That there is an expectation that I'm clocked in at 9 o'clock when breakfast ends, and I work until 5.30 when I clock out. Didn't really clock out. We didn't have clock and clock outs. But you know what I mean. It never really struck me until that moment, I guess. And it's a, a rule I've kind of taken on into my regular life as I got older. Because when I became a manager, it became one of my mantras for the new hires. When you are, says that you are in at 10 o'clock in the morning, that means that when you get to the computer at 9.59 and you hit sign in, swipe, clock me in, that you, the only thing you have left is if you are working back of the house, to go wash your hands, stick on your gloves, and see what your side work is. Or if you have to jump in, jump in. If you're on the floor, that means wash your hands, check what section you're in, and jump on it. That doesn't mean come in, clock in, go back, put your bag away, put your hair up, get your hat on right, do your makeup, put your name tag on. People would come in without their work clothes, they'd go chain. Don't do that. When you come in and you're ready to, and you're clocking, have your boots tied on. It's time to start work at 10 o'clock, not 10.05, not 10.10. Looking back, it was kind of authoritarian, and I don't like that feeling. But at the same time, it really mattered that people started their work at 10 o'clock. Because there was other cooks who were waiting to have a break, that were waiting to go use the bathroom, or were still trying to catch up on their work. There were customers getting sat at tables out there who were waiting for their coffee or their soda or their order to be taken. 
there was an entire staff relying on you being ready to work and having your boots tied on. Sometimes I look back at those days and envy them a little bit, and I'm not going back. No. But it was nice to have this clear, hard line. I'm in at 6. I'm in at 10. I'm in at whatever, and I am off at this time. From the moment I clock in to the moment I swipe my card again and say, clock out, yes, taking a break, no, I am working. And that's the only thing I'm doing. Life gets a little more hazy than that. It's a little hard to tell when you're supposed to start sometimes. Like I can come into the office and I sit my computer down and I open it up, plug it in and oh, maybe I need to go through these emails. Or maybe I need to make this call. Or I need to jump on this task or that task. And it's not always feels like I'm starting. Sometimes I just get a call. It starts to become a little hazy. And I wonder about that with the disciples in today's story. How hazy was it for them when they had to make this transformation from being Jesus' disciples to being Jesus's apostles, to be those who learned about the good news to those who delivered the good news. When was that supposed to happen? Was it when Jesus was put on the cross and died? Was it when Jesus went into the tomb, when they found the tomb empty? When Jesus met them in the garden? Or was it supposed to be what we celebrate today, the day Jesus ascended into heaven? We celebrate it today, but it was actually, I think, Wednesday in terms of time. When were they supposed to be ready? Because it's obvious in today's story they weren't. Jesus went up into the heavens and they stood there and stared up where Jesus had gone. For enough time, apparently, that God felt they needed to send some messengers in to go, hey, guys, he's gone. Don't worry about it. He'll come back. It's not going to be in 10 minutes. Go work. Go, go, go. It seemed they didn't have their boots tied on quite yet. They weren't quite ready to get into the work. To be fair, it wouldn't be until another 10 days that they would receive the Holy Spirit, that they got the energy, the power to do it. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like they're quite ready yet. It's hard to know when to start. And Jesus seems to address this just before that, because they all think, Maybe it's going to start right now. But their expectation is that Jesus is going to handle everything. Jesus, is today the day you're going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. It's going to happen when God says it's going to happen, guys. And only God knows. And it seems right after that, 
And mind it, that's the last thing Jesus says to them, basically. Jesus goes up into heavens, and they're left there staring with their boots untied. It's like that story that Jesus also tells about the ten virgins who are waiting for, for the master to come. There's the five who make sure that their oil lamps are ready to go, and there's the five who don't. And there, there's a group that are ready to do the job when it comes time, and there's a group that are caught with their boots untied. I guess nobody really knows when the work will start. When you're going to get that call at 4 o'clock in the morning of someone who needs a hand. When you're driving along the road and you see somebody at the side with their tire half off, struggling to get it all the way off. You never know when you're going to be called to do work. Sometimes it's clear. Sometimes it's like, yes, I'm going to go do this job at 10 o'clock on Saturday. But sometimes the work that we're called to, the work of being the followers of Christ, happens at 10.04 on Friday. And if you aren't ready, you aren't ready to answer that call. It can be exhausting always being on the lookout, always being on call, not having those clear lines. I remember while working in hospice, just the amount of paperwork every social worker and nurse and chaplain would have to do. Yes, their jobs were officially from nine to five, but each of them spent a couple hours every night filling out paperwork. And I know I have not more than one, I mean, I have many more than one teacher in here, and how many teachers here have spent hours at night preparing for the next day? Work doesn't always end when it's supposed to end, and it can be exhausting, knowing there's always more paperwork, always more things to get ready. And I got to say, God, it sounds like a lot on our plates to always be ready, to always have our boots strapped on and ready to work. I wish I had a good, clean answer for you all. I wish I had a good, clean answer for myself, knowing, okay, this is how you handle it. This is how you stay from being, keep from being burnt out, from always being ready to be called to work. I don't. I think it's some mix of just living fully in the moment. That when God gives you time to relax, you fully relax. And when God gives you work, you throw yourself in without another thought. Something we get to struggle with get to struggle with a lot in this world. But I look to Acts. I look to the early church. And as you read through it, it sounds like they're constantly working. 
They're constantly going on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. But if you take the time and kind of start working out dates and times, you start realizing, oh, you know, there's a three-year gap, I think, between the time where Paul gets called to the ministry and Paul actually starts doing his ministry. There's a three-year gap in there. And then you go back and you look at the Gospels and you go, wow, Jesus kept doing things after thing after thing. And then you remember, this book covers three full years in itself. It feels like if you can read it through a day, surely it took less time, right? The Bible reminds us of all the work that they did. Sometimes we have to read in between the lines to realize they balanced it. They did both. When it was time to work, they were ready. They never really fully untied their boots. As I read through the post that my many friends and acquaintances put up, their time that they had spent at camp and where they were now, I saw something repeating over and over again. Their time at camp was special. It had pushed them to reevaluate their lives and what it meant to be a Christian. And so many of them had found ways to continue the service that they had first felt called to at camp out into the real world. It always feels like I should say the real world, the camp feels like something special and separate to me. That's just my life. But they found ways to continue working. Friends who became teachers, nurses, who've gone on to work in nonprofits, who have gone even into other businesses and whatnot, but have found ways to continue working in soup kitchens and disaster relief and the many ways that we find to serve our fellow human beings. They learned that same lesson. Even if they weren't on maintenance, they learned that same lesson. That work doesn't always start when you clock in and clock out. Work the work of God, the work of Christ, the work of the church is always going on. And you never know when you will be called. So maybe it's best in the meantime if you keep your boots on, tied on nice and tight. And if you come in from the outside, just wipe them really well, but keep wearing them. Thank you.
I actually recently threw out my old work boots from Friendly's. Wore them a long time to the point where they were cracking and falling apart. And I think I still have a pair of other old work boots that uh, probably should be tossed at this point as well. They got a lot of work. The shoes I'm wearing now are got a lot less work in them because it does different job. Because I keep finding new jobs, new work that God puts on my plate. And I try my best to be ready to go out wherever I'm called. Whether I'm in my comfortable Toms. These are Toms, right? Yes. All right. Or I'm in my tennis shoes. Or if you know me in my normal life, sandals. <laughs> so as you go out this week, whether you are in sandals or work boots, whether you are in flats or high heels, may your shoes be nice and tight, ready to go wherever God leads you and to do whatever work God calls you into. Amen.